Hey, Lisa. Hey, Julie. So what, what day is it? Trick question. I don't know. It's, it's some day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Friday. I do know it's Friday, but um, I'm just losing track of the weeks and the days and the months. But, um, you know, another week, another week down. Another week down in pandemic life. And I am actually super excited about the week coming up because we've got some interesting things going on, starting with Wednesday, we're doing our first webinar with Rachel Miller, and um, we've been sharing it on social media, but for those who may not have seen it, it's free, and it's basically a half hour to an hour webinar at 1230 on Wednesday, where we are going to provide information on how to stay healthy while running in the pandemic. Yeah, we've seen a lot of runners, either our runners or other runners that we've talked to who are kind of need some direction at this point. And, um, you know, a lot of people who are, their routines have changed. So they're at home now, they're sitting a lot, they may be walking around the house barefoot all day and things that they're doing, not even with their running, but outside of their running that are affecting their running, that they're feeling, you know, like a plantar fasciitis, but it may not be because of the running. It may be because you're in bare feet or slippers all day walking around the house or, you know, some sort of pain that's because you're sitting a lot more or in a chair that you're not used to. It's not your office chair. It's maybe a chair at home that's not, or you're not set up ergonomically correct. So um, people's sleep is disrupted. So we're, it's interesting that we're seeing things, um, people talk about things that are cropping up that may not have anything to do with their running. Um, And then we're also seeing people who are, um, you know, trying to figure out both how to stay motivated, how to run in the new world of like social distancing, how to do that either, you know, by themselves, not with their running buddies, or just how to stay distance from people and how to show respect to other people out on the trails. Um, So there's a lot of like a lot of questions out there. And I think Rachel is we've always used Rachel as everyone knows, but um, such an amazing resource to talk about how to stay healthy. And if something crops up, what to do when we can't go run into a, a physical therapist's office or or an orthopedist or a podiatrist. We can't go into their office and have them look at us right away. Yeah. So we wanted to provide this for free because we think it's a really important and we hope uh, as many pe- people as possible are able to join. And um, when I personally shared this today, I added something that we hadn't discussed yet, but it just came to me, Lisa. So I'll throw it out I here. I saw. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's it's free, but if anyone's inclined, um, instead of paying for it, maybe throw a donation over to your local food bank um, or a, a COVID charity that means something to you or any charity because everybody could use a lift right now. So um, certainly no pressure, but if you're inclined, um, instead of um, making a payment for this service, instead, make a payment to your favorite charity. Um, that would be a great thing to do. And another project that we are excited to have launched is, of course, our pandemic improvement project. We received a number of participants over the last week and weekend, and we even allowed some late entries because, I mean, we totally understand that no one knows what day of the week is. So we are really excited that. Um, we kicked that off and hopefully everyone is um, motivated by doing their initial mile time trial and is gearing up to um, do some training and then we'll retest uh, in mid-May. And yet we have close to 100 participants. So of all ages, I think our youngest was nine 
and oldest was uh, 60s or maybe 70s. So we have all ages all over the country and everyone has the same goal of just give themselves something to work on over the next four weeks. So that's been exciting to see. For sure. And if anyone has any questions, please feel free to shoot us an email. We're happy to answer them. We've got a lot of runners who are following our free program. Then, of course, we've got a lot of participants who we coach. Um, and for anyone who wants, um, has a question, you know, don't hesitate to ask. And uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention if there's anyone who would like coaching. We do have openings. Um, we are very uh, lucky and blessed that so many of our clients um, are sticking with us. We are so grateful being able to have the honor to coach others is giving us purpose and passion during this time. And we recognize that there aren't races, but people are training just to be better. And that's really important stuff. As Des says, we're training for life. Exactly. So, uh, we've got a lot of runners who are coming to us. We had several new runners this week or new or returning back to coaching who want to challenge themselves to get out of their comfort zones and work on something that they may not typically get a chance to focus on. So a lot of people who are looking at maybe working on some speed or some strength or, um, or building their mileage or getting back into running now that they have some more time on their hands. So uh, it's nice to be able to help people with different types of goals and help focus when at a time, like you said, we don't know what day of the week it is. We don't know what's, but it gives us some structure to our week to be able to do that. Yeah. So thank you to all who've reached out. We don't take it for granted as a small business ourselves. We are super appreciative and grateful for your support. And we're grateful for all the listeners on the podcast. We've received so many lovely messages from so many people over the past few weeks because we recognize that many are running alone for the first time in quite some time. And we're really happy to be keeping you company. And thank you so much for listening. And we've got some really great episodes coming up. Um, just to tee it up, we've, we our guest today is Conroy Zian, who is a very well-known runner in our area. He heads up the first time marathoners program for the Montgomery County Roadrunners Club. And he has a really nice story that we thought would um, our listeners would enjoy. And so for those who already know Conroy, you may know the story, but you may not know what happened in between. And for those who don't, it's a really inspiring story about his journey to um, achieving a goal. And um, in addition to Conroy, we're excited next week, we're going to be interviewing um Matt Fitzgerald. Matt was on our podcast about a year ago, and he's going to talk a lot about um, how we can stay motivated, focused, and um, just as Lisa mentioned a few minutes ago, challenge ourselves outside of our comfort zone during this unprecedented time. And um, we've got some other guests coming up that we won't share quite yet, but um, we've got some really great things in the queue. Yeah, I'm excited. And, and we even talked to Conroy about how Matt's books helped him hone in on his training and his, um, his nutrition and his uh, approach to his training. So it uh, kind of ties all together. It's a good, we'll talk to Conroy and mention how he used Matt's books. And then uh, next week we'll get to talk to Matt. Right. And, and uh, before we sign off, there was one thing I just wanted to just say to everyone out there. And that is um, don't be hard on yourselves. Um, we just want to let you know we're all kind of going through something we've never gone through before. And we're now 
in a place where it's, it's been a while. So it's not new anymore. It's kind of, we're adjusting to the fact that this for right now is, is what is our life. And just know that getting through each day, the best you can is the best you can do. And there are no medals. There are no points. There are no scores. We're all just doing the best we can. And so and every day is a new day. You wake up the yes. next day, you get another shot at, at doing whatever you set your mind to that day. So just because you maybe didn't get your goals accomplished one day doesn't mean you can't wake up the next day and get them and, and, and go crush them. And that goes for not just running, but all aspects Everything. of your life. You keep exactly. doing the best you can. Know that we are all in this together. I hate that phrase because I feel like it's in every email, but it's really true. We're all in this together, but we also recognize that this is impacting some people differently than others. So to that end, we salute everyone out there struggling. Um, we all are trying our best and we want you to know that we know this is hard. We will get through this and we are all going to be okay. So that's yeah. what I wanted to say to everyone this week. Awesome. And all on right, that note, well, Let's talk to Conroy and hear his story. And, you know, it's, it's, it would be easy for Conroy to be really disappointed, something he worked for for many, many, many years to, to make it to Boston and wasn't going to be able to be there, you know, this year on, in April on the start line. But he's still got a great attitude and, uh, you know, is looking forward to, to being there one day. So, um, so I'm excited to share his story with everyone. Absolutely. Well, Lisa, I hope you have a great week. If I haven't said this already, I'll say it again. I'm really proud of you. I think you're doing great things and um, I hope you have a great week. Right back at you. Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, we are so excited today to welcome Conroy Zien to the podcast. Hi, Conroy. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Conroy. So, Conroy. Before we get started um, in diving into why we have you here, just give us a little bit of background about who you are and um, a little bit about your running uh, history. Okay. Um, well, my name is Conroy Zian. I am uh, the director of the Montgomery County Roadrunners First Time Marathoners Training Program. Um, I started actually my running career with that program. Well. A few years before that, when I had uh, gotten a little bit older, put on a little bit of weight, and decided I would start running to kind of lose some of that weight. And then as I uh, kept that hobby up, I decided I would join the First Time Marathoners Training Program as a participant back in 2007. And I trained for my first marathon with them. And I ran the Marine Corps Marathon in the, in the fall of that year. Um, and I was a participant for 2007, 2008. In 2009, I was asked to become a pace group coach. And I coached um, in FTM from 2009 through 2011. And in 2012, I was asked to um, become the co-director of the program and I've been the director of that program ever since up until this year. And this year's kind of in flux, but um, I'm still technically the director, even though our program has been kind of put on hold for right now. 
what was, you were in your first marathon in 2007, just for a frame of reference, how did that go for you? What was your finishing time? Yeah, so um, it was great. The whole experience was awesome. Um, just I, before I started the program, I hadn't really run uh, a distance longer. I think my longest run at, uh, when I started was 14 miles. So um, about two months into the program, we, we went past 14 miles and I started every week was a new a distance PR for me. But the structure of the program really, really helped me. And um, I was able to follow the schedule and get to the starting line of Marine Corps um, that fall. Now, uh, I'm not going to lie to you and say that the marathon was easy. Um, as first timers, you don't really know what to expect. Um, and I was kind of chugging along for the first 18, 19 miles, got to 20, 21, ended up in Crystal City. And as we were coming out, um, suddenly I realized this is really, really, really hard. Uh, and I did, luckily I did see some of the people that I had trained with and they were yelling uh, words of encouragement as they saw me struggling. Um, uh, I will be lying if I said that, oh, that last 10K was, was easy or anything, but um, I did manage to run the whole entire thing and I finished, I believe my, my time was 3.51 and change, I think it was. Um, so I was pretty pleased with that first time out. Uh, I remember when I got that medal uh, at the finish and the Marine put it around my neck, I was uh, overcome with uh, emotion because of what I had achieved and what I really didn't think I was um, going to be able to do when I first started uh, the program back in May. But um, yeah, so. That. And did you immediately after that decide you wanted to run more? Did you, what was your, you know, what did you feel like after? Did you think I can do better? I could want to do more. I want to, what did, what was your thought process after that? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, um, I always think that there's, there's two ways you can go. You can say, well, oh, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> or uh, there are people who say, I can't wait to do my next one. Uh, and I actually was in the latter category. I could not wait to do another marathon. I really, um, uh, had so much fun and the training was 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 just more than I could have imagined and um, so i I think it may have been a week or so afterwards I signed up for uh, another marathon in the spring and i don 't think the race exists anymore, but it was the Frederick marathon up in Frederick and it was in may uh, so I started training throughout the winter for that. Um, but training on your own is a lot different than training in a group. So I, I struggled a little bit with that. And then training in the winter is obviously presents a different set of challenges. Um, but I did finish the um, Frederick Marathon the following May and then went right back into FTM right after that. Now, was your, was your uh, Frederick finish time faster or slower? Than oh, no. <laughs> it was much, much slower. I, uh, I struggled. I struggled a lot. Uh, I think I, my body just wasn't used to uh, being put under that level of stress for such a long period of time. And by the time the marathon came around, I know I had um, some IT issues uh, that really, really hindered my, uh, my running. And I remember seeing my wife somewhere around mile 19 or something. And I told her, look, I'm in a bad spot right now. Uh, if you can just run with me for 
you know, a quarter mile that would do, uh, do me wonders. But I did finish and I was uh, glad that I did. And then uh, I signed up actually for Marine Corps Marathon again that, that next fall. Did you, so, when you trained for, for on your own, did you follow the FTM schedule? Like how did you, what was different in between training with a structured group and coaches and pace group, you know, pace groups and pace group coaches and training on your own other than the, the seasons obviously being different? Yeah. So I, um, I actually had joined uh, the speed development program uh, to take advantage of a group workout that uh, happened during the week at track. But instead of running the long run with that group, I would run long runs on my own. And I did kind of follow the schedule that was laid out in FTM. Um, may not have been the smartest and most prudent thing to do being a relatively newer runner uh, with that level of intensity on the uh, on the speed side during the week followed by a long run I think it just really broke my body down so I you know now in hindsight I look at it as a learning experience and you kind of learn uh, the best things to do and what your body can actually handle some people can handle it great some other people can't so I think it's it's kind of an individual thing that's a great point and so fast forward, you have now run several marathons. You became the director of the first time marathoners program. So clearly you became not only a prolific marathoner, but also an ambassador for marathoning. When did you get in your head that you wanted to qualify for Boston? Hmm. Um, so I think it was probably my first year of coaching. I, um, I ran uh, the St. George Marathon in, in Utah. And I dropped my time, I improved my time by 15, 15 minutes. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty big jump. Um, I wonder how far I am from actually qualifying for Boston. And so, so wait, so you improved your time from 15 minutes from your best time or from the from, most? From, from my best time, from my okay. best time. So what was that time um, uh, after yeah. St. George? Uh, I did three, uh, 334 and okay, just great. a little just a little over 334 so I think the second okay. year I had run Marine Corps I ran about a 349 and then I went down to a 334 and then and I started was, did you do something different in between those marathons that you kind of attributed that that gain yeah so my first year of coaching um in FTM um, as a pace group coach you know I did start running more I uh upped my mileage I felt like I was becoming more seasoned and more experienced so my body I wanted to see if I could actually push myself to run um a higher weekly mileage FTM usually tops out in the in the 40 45 mile per week range and um uh I uh, I ended up going in the sixty to seventy mile mile per week range. Um, were you adding that, easy mileage? Was it easy mileage that you were adding, or? Um, I was doing um, some easier mile, um, some easy miles. I did uh, ramp up some intensity on the speed side as well, but. Again, I was. It was only my third year of of actual marathoning, so I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't an expert or anything, and it was more just, uh, again, trial and error to see what my body could handle. Uh, but I think the high mileage, uh, the higher mileage definitely helped me uh, improve my marathon performance that fall. So once I got to the 334, I started thinking, well, maybe I could 
get a little bit faster and I'm going to get a little bit older and then the, the, uh, the qualifying standards are going to be, you know, kind of line up where I could, um, I could get in. But as you, as you know, things changed over the next few years and they actually made the standards a little bit harder. And uh, there was a couple of years where I said, look, I'm just not going to push myself too hard because I think the standards as they are right now are a little bit outside of what I think I can handle. So I'm just going to run um, marathons just for the sake of running marathons without really having a, um, a Boston qualifying goal. Um, now it wasn't until uh, 2013, um, I decided I was going to race Pikes Peak in the spring. Um, so I had come off of a winter where I wasn't, hadn't done any real races, but I was incorporating some more speed uh, in my weekly workouts. So when Pikes Peak came around, I thought, well, let's see what I can do. And I, and I raced Pikes Peak. And for uh, those listening who don't live in our area, Pikes Peak is a fast, one of the faster 10Ks on the East Coast in April. Right, right. And uh, back then, before they kind of modified the course, uh, it still had that pretty nice, aggressive downhill finish. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of used that as an opportunity to, to test myself on a 10K. Mm -hmm. And I finished in 43 minutes and change. And I thought, okay, well, I kind of went home and plugged everything into those mm -hmm. whatever marathon cal race calculators and thought, okay, well, this could be a possibility. I think at the time, my. Um, my BQ time uh, was 3:25, so I thought, okay, uh, I think it'll be it'll be close. It's probably something that I could uh, work towards, and it's a nice goal to have. So I really seriously started to pursue that as a um, as a goal of mine um, through the summer and then into the fall of that year. And that was in 2014. Uh, that was in 2013, actually. 13. Okay. So tell us um, how, for sort of your journey, how many, how did you pursue the goal? How long did it take you and what happened? So, yeah. So that fall I ran, uh, how many marathons did I run? I think I ran three marathons that, that fall. And um, I started with uh, the Atlantic City Marathon in Atlantic City, New Jersey. Um, and I thought, okay, well, that's going to be a, a pretty flat course. Now, I didn't account for the wind on a coastal marathon. That was pretty significant that, that day. I think there were gusts of 35, 40 miles an hour coming off of the ocean. So I, I did manage to PR from my, my previous um, St. George race, but it, I fell a little bit short. I, the last few miles were just too tough, and I ended up finishing in I believe it was 331. Um, now my second marathon that fall I uh, since I was the director of FTM I just ran the Marine Corps Marathon with the uh, with with the program with, the, with my pace group um, and I didn't really race it it was more there to support uh, support my fellow runners um, so I, I don't recall what my time was that that year um but it wasn't a race so it doesn't register in my um in my personal record keeping as far as of, of races um but then i did run the rehoboth marathon that december which was a few weeks later 
uh, in Rehoboth Beach. And uh, I ran, I ended up PRing again, uh, this time by about six minutes. Um, and I finished in 325.08. Now, oh. <laughs> I know, it was close. It's close, right? It's close. So I remember, I remember looking at my watch at, my, at mile 26, and I looked down and I said, I have 100, 100 seconds to get from mile 26 to the finish line. That's brutal. And, and, I, and I sprinted as hard as I could, and uh, I looked down at my watch and I said, you know, I think I just missed it. Um, and I ended up at 325.08. Now, oh. a, a little bit of consolation, you know how there was, there's always a little bit of a cutoff right. where- Even if you were 320, 324.08. Right, right. So I think matter. I would have missed it by about a minute or a minute and a half, I think that year. But still, technically I didn't, I, did, I missed my VQ by eight seconds and I thought, oh, you know, where could I have found those eight seconds? I, I, I don't know. Um, but it was enough to keep me motivated to continue to, uh, to train and, and pursue this. So um, I signed up for another marathon in the spring and I ran the, uh, the Myrtle Beach Marathon uh, mm -hmm. in, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. In We're sensing a theme that you like beach, you know, coastal Well, marathon. you know, it's funny because I had friends say, listen, Conroy, if you want to have a good race maybe you should start uh you maybe you should avoid the the coastal marathons because there there is wind but uh i did register for the uh, myrtle beach marathon and lo and behold it was windy again uh and i was doing well until i think it was mile 22 23 uh and the wind just had beaten me up too much and i and i slowed down i started giving back 30 45 seconds per mile for those last few miles and i ended up finishing in wasn't a pr uh i believe it was 326 and change which i thought was was not bad uh i i uh you know wish i had done a little bit better but i was still um still so pleased with that performance so even though i did fall short of my goal i was still um that fire was still burning in me. So still within I, shooting range of a, of a BQ. Right, right, right. I felt like it was, um, I was trending faster. So um, can I ask you a question? As sure. you're methodically pursuing these marathons for this time, did, were you approaching this goal of BQing as a, as, as a, a process goal or a results goal? In other words, while you were training, did, did you enjoy the training and were you thinking about the markers that you were making during your training with workouts or were you pursuing the goal at this time sort of one tracks, um, I wanna get a certain time? Um, I think it was more what you just said. I just kind of wanted to get that time and it was more, look, I just need to put in the work to get to there without necessarily thinking about what I needed to do to get there. And it was, I was, I just saw the finish line and I wanted to get there and it mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily um, a well thought out plan, but it was more, this is what I want to do. I'm going to just keep doing what I've been doing and hopefully continue on that trajectory of improvement, which somehow would get me there. Um, but as I continued through this, uh, that fall, I ran too many marathons. I ran four marathons that fall, which for my body, I just can't do that. That was, it was too much. Now I did 
Um, again, one of them was the Marine Corps Marathon, uh, which I didn't race, but then I tried racing three in the fall, and it was just it was just too much. My my body couldn't handle that. Um, so I ran uh, my, my first one uh, that fall was the St. George Marathon. Again, I thought maybe I would take advantage and lightning could strike again where I would see a, a, a large improvement in my race times, which uh, I didn't. Um, I, I did run faster than I had the previous time I ran St. George, but it was far from, I think it was 3.33 or 3.32, I think I ran um, in St. George, which was again, far from what I needed. And then I, I ran the Richmond Marathon um, uh, in November. Uh, and I believe I was around 345 or so and change. And then I did the Rehoboth one again in about roughly the same time. I think it was about 345. So I, my At experiment- this point, your times are kind of going away from- Right, so I felt like I was, exactly, I was working in the wrong direction and I felt like the, uh, I was losing control over over this narrative here, right? So I'm I'm, I can't run so many marathons because my body can't handle it, and I end up running slower than I than than I want to. Um, yeah, so. How did you how did you how did you deal with that when I mean because that can be we we have a lot of runners who get frustrated when they start slipping away from their goal, and it, it you know how did you stay focused on your goal and motivated to work back towards it? Um. Was it kind of recognizing that you were just running too much, and that was you know, maybe uh, yeah. I think I think it I think it was part partially that. Now I wasn't um, I was kind of stubborn. Uh, I I didn't I don't I don't I kept thinking uh, I'm just going to keep doing this, and eventually it's going to work out for me. Uh, and I just tried and uh, and and failed. Uh, I don't I don't want to say failed because that's such a that's such a strong word, but I. I was unsuccessful in my, in in that my approach. attempts. <laughs> right, in, right. In that, at, that, um, at that moment, in that time. So it wasn't, right, you, right, didn't let right. it, you didn't let it, dis, you know, discourage or define the, the trajectory from there. No, yeah. no, but I realized what I was doing wasn't necessarily the right approach. So maybe don't run so many marathons yeah. and, uh, and tweak your training just a little bit and, and focus on fewer good ones instead of the volume where you know you right. take so many attempts and everything kind of falls apart and through these attempts are you still um is your training mostly with ftm were you doing anything differently on your own and adding that extra mileage were you kind of just following the same training through these yeah i i was and um you know again part of it was just being a little bit stubborn thinking I'm just going to keep doing this. And, you know, what's that saying about uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, <laughs> thinking you're going to get a different result. And I really fell right into that trap where I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep doing this. And eventually one day, all the stars are going to line up and everything's going to work for me. Um, but uh, it, it, it didn't um, work out quite that way. And I did, I ended up having to, to tweak things a little bit later. Um, so how did that happen? That was moving into the spring of the next year then? Yeah, so into the spring of the next year, uh, again, I was um, probably still stuck in that rut of, uh, okay, I think I'm, I'm getting close, or I need to change my approach a little bit, but the, the, the framework is still there. I'm going to try doing what I've been doing, but just not run so many marathons. So that fall, 
I, uh, I trained for the Twin Cities Marathon in, um, in, in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and I thought, okay, this is it. This is a, a, a nice a flat course. It's not a coastal marathon. <laughs> it's going to be cooler. Um, and uh, I, I started that race and I thought this, this is, things are looking pretty good. Well, I got closer, but I wasn't, uh, I still wasn't close enough. I think I finished that race in 327. Now, I don't know if you've run the Twin Cities Marathon before, but there's a, a little bit of a hill around mile 22 and that one really took it out of me. And I uh, struggled going up that hill and I gave back a lot of time um, from there, uh, I think for the next mile and a half, two miles, and I, I saw the goal slip away, and uh, I, I limped my way to a, a 327. Now, I was still um, relatively happy with that because I knew I was aging up the following year, and I told myself, listen, all you have to do is run this exact same time next year, and uh, they're going to give you more time to um, uh, to, to BQ. Your 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 stand the standard is going to be uh, more lenient for you as 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 you age up. So uh, just don't lose any fitness and run that exact same time the following year, and you will uh, uh, and you'll get that BQ. Which um, if I'm going to just fast forward to the following year when I decided I would train for the wine glass marathon in, in Corning, New York. And uh, I really worked my tail off that summer, kind of doing the same thing that I had been doing, <laughs> thinking, okay, you know, conditions will be different. It'll right, all come conditions together. Will be it's going to work one I'm, of these I'm, times. Right. I'm getting the same. I, I, all I had to do is run the exact same time. Um, and uh, I actually almost did run the exact same time. I actually uh, ran a three, I think it was 326 and change. Um, uh, so uh, I think at the time, the, my BQ standard was 330. Yeah. So I thought, oh, well, I have a BQ now. Uh, and I was ecstatic. I was, I, it was awesome. I, the drive home from Corning, I was beside myself. And then, but in the back of my mind, I thought, is that going to be enough? with um with what the the, the trend the of the trend yeah. of the cutoffs right so but the nice thing is i kept telling myself i have about a year to worry about that i can bask in the glory of having bq'd for the next 11 months until registration rolls around and i can actually submit my um my registration for boston the the, the following september which i did uh and I didn't get in because I think the cutoff that year was almost five, five yeah. minutes. I think it was 4.52 or something like that. And was this um, for Boston 2018, so September of 2017? No, it was actually, um, I ran that marathon in September, uh, in October of 2017. So okay. it would have been for Boston 2019. Got it. it okay. For Boston 2019. Got it. Um, so How did you feel when that happened? Oh, devastated. You mean yeah. in 2018 when I got yeah. shut out? Um, yeah. dev devastated. I, um, I was devastated because I thought, oh, I have chased this for so, so long. 
and uh, so many attempts, and I thought I had finally broken through. And, um, and you had a big, you had a pretty big margin there. Yeah, Was I had like three, a minute or no, 30 seconds. I, I had three, north of, north of three and a half, uh, north of three minutes. Yeah, that was sure. the year everyone got surprised by a very big. Yeah, time. so not only, not only that, but um, the BAA decided to um, tighten the standards after that. So they yeah. took the five minutes, they took five minutes away from everybody's qualifying, um, qualifying standard. So what originally was my 3.30 BQ time uh, now became a 3.25. Uh, and I had never run anywhere, anything, the closest I had a 3.25.08 five years earlier. Uh, and that was my PR. And uh, I just thought, how am I in, in the world going to run faster marathon than I've ever run before. Five and how old. old are you at this point? And how old were you at that point? Um, I was, uh, in, uh, I had just turned 50. Right. I had just turned 50. So I thought, um, I've got to be a 50 year old guy who's going to set a PR, uh, in order for me to, uh, to, to qualify for Boston. So it's, it seemed so daunting a task. Um, Absolutely, because you had you had a couple of things running against you. Emotionally, you were taxed because you had attempted this marker for so long. You finally achieved it. You basked in the glory for a year almost, and then you went to register and didn't get in. So it's it's even more agonizing. You're another year older. You've got um, other things you were probably focusing on with your running because you pro you finally felt like you could put that goal to bed because you had achieved it and all you had to do was register. So then emotionally you had to sort of go backwards and, and reassess and look at this goal again that you thought for a year you had achieved, which you had achieved. You still got a BQ. You just didn't get in. And right. that's something that. Right. I mean, and, and um, it was, I, I tried to remind myself that, you know, in, in, in the moments of seeing the glass half full, I did, you know, tell myself, hey, you did BQ. The problem is I, my ultimate goal was to run the, or to be register for the Boston Marathon, be accepted uh, and, and have all of that uh, build up and all of the excitement to when you're actually training to run the race instead of just knowing that you qualified, um, knowing that you actually have a bib and you're going to toe the line uh, in, on Patriots Day in April. Um, to, to actually run that race. So yeah, I, I did have to, um, I did have to focus. I'm sorry about that. Um, I did have to focus on, um, uh, that, um, that I, I did have to focus that, I, that training was something that, uh, uh, I would really need to change my approach a little bit if I wanted to, uh, improve that much uh, at you know as I was getting older too. So um, that winter, some friends encouraged me to train with the um, with the B two B group, um, which is and, another local training group that exactly specifically for Boston. Exactly. So uh, I'd never trained with them. Um, I uh, didn't know what to expect. I thought, okay, well, you know, uh, my friend said, try it out, see what, see what you think. Um, and at that point I said, uh, you know, I think that's probably 
um, a nice change from what I had been doing. Um, and um, so in January of 2019, I started training with the uh, with the B2B group and um, I had registered for a marathon in Las Vegas uh, in April uh, which was the one of the um, Revel Mount Charleston Mount Charleston exactly yep. uh, and they have a series of marathons that are aggressively downhill and it's just an attempt to try and get as many people to their their Boston qualifying goal as as they could so um I I went through that season uh I quickly realized that these runs aren't like any runs that I had done on my own um they were incredibly hilly uh and not only that those hills were just non-stop and they would come at the worst time at the end of a long run at the, at, at the after 20 miles and you have two more miles of hills to run to the finish um i i really i quickly realized that this training was unlike any training that i had had done before um and i was kind of silently becoming a stronger runner even though i was uh dreading some of these runs um i my fitness was was improving and i actually got through that season pretty confident that i was um ready to make a uh make an attempt to to get that that bq in in las vegas um so when when i actually went out to vegas of course i started to check the weather uh and vegas in april can be kind of warm and it um uh, everyone told me when you get to the start of that marathon it's going to be cold uh we start at um i think it may have been seven thousand feet or something and uh it's usually below freezing well that race morning when they bust us up to the top uh of the mountain i got out of uh got out of the bus and realized it wasn't cold at all uh, in fact, I had brought all this clothing with me that I didn't need to wear because it was probably in the uh, in the mid 50s, I would say, uh, at the top of the mountain, which I tried to put that out of my mind. But I knew that if it's 55 degrees at 6 a.m. at the top of the mountain in Vegas, several hours later, it's going to be uh, it's going not to any be cooler. That's for not sure. Not not any cooler. So. Uh, I was on a on a good pace for the first 16 17 miles that day and then as the temperature climbed into the 80s and into the mid 80s and uh no shade I just couldn't do it I I hit a wall in, in the worst way about mile 18 and uh kind of walk ran the final 8 miles um and finished in about I think it was 347 which is a good 23 minutes off of what I you know realistically would have needed to 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 uh to, to qualify but I would imagine you were not as opposed to other time um race finishes not discouraged by this knowing that the variable was something you couldn't control and being such a seasoned marathoner at this point I would imagine you were able to sort of turn that experience around and not be as discouraged um 
I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I was a little discouraged. I thought I had trained pretty well and I had uh, uh, done something different. Now, to your point, yeah, I, the weather is something we can't control. So that I thought, well, if it had been cooler, I, I, I may have performed better. Um, mm -hmm. But I was still a little bit upset, disappointed. Um, but it was a, a, a much quicker decision for me to refocus and say, look, um, train through the summer and uh, maybe try for uh, a fall attempt to qualify um, before registration opens for Boston the following year so I could still take advantage of the fitness that I had um, gained by training over the winter with the B2B group and it wouldn't be such a huge leap to get um, yeah, to where I wanted to, uh, since I was wasn't starting from from you know from the ground from ground zero there. So let's stop there for a second because I think that your point here is really relevant, and that is there's two things to take away so far. Um, you changed up your training and you were really excited about the gains you were making in your training, yet those changes did not necessarily yield the result you wanted, but you recognized immediately that that training wasn't for nothing, but rather it was more of an investment in your training bank that you then decided you would use for a fall marathon. Exactly, exactly. I didn't view it as um, all that work gone for, for mm -hmm. naught, right? Um, it was something that I had um, building blocks, uh, if you will, that mm -hmm. I could, I could use and, 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 take myself to the next level. Uh, just maybe do a, uh, some more tweaks and be a little more honest with myself as, as far as where my weaknesses are and when, uh, where, when I, where I tend to struggle during a marathon. Um, because at this point, you can't really lie to yourself about anything. You have to confront what your weaknesses are and actually uh, work to, um, to improve. Otherwise, you're, 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 you're kind of lying to yourself and being delusional that th something is going to change. So I, I did have to take a look at myself and say, hey, where, where, where do you think your training has fallen short? Where do you think you struggle the most? And let's work on that and, and, and try and improve in those areas uh, where hopefully in the fall everything can come together and then you'll, you'll, uh, you'll have a good race. So what were those weaknesses that you worked on over the summer? So I, I knew that I had a hard time um, sustaining a, 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 a hard race pace for an extended period of time. So I knew that I may be able to hold on to what my goal pace is for 17, 18, 19 mm -hmm. miles, but then invariably I would always start to slip a little bit after mile 18, 19, 20. By the time 22 rolls around, I'm just hating life. And then I basically am tying a knot at the end of that rope and just hanging on for dear life to see, can I actually get to the finish line under my, my goal time? Um, so I knew that uh, my, I don't want to say endurance, but my ability to sustain that pace for for the entire race was was not as strong as i wanted it to be so i needed to needed to work on that now i 
wasn't sure exactly where to begin, I started asking absolutely everybody, anybody who, uh, uh, and they didn't even have to be necessarily faster than me. They just had to have um, some insight that they could share with me as far as, look, this is what you need to do in order to uh, get comfortable with that pace. So knowing that, um, I started to do uh, longer tempo runs um, midweek, uh, actually on on on. On Fridays, I, I I would do uh, start with I started I think with three tempo miles, and then I worked myself up to um, a 10k tempo on a on a on a 12 mile run. So I would run six miles easy, then I would run um, six miles um, at tempo pace. Now I realized that my tempo runs were actually a little bit faster than than traditional tempo um uh but it was and they felt really really uncomfortable but what i was telling myself in my mind was that look this is actually a fair amount faster than your marathon pace so if you can actually sustain this pace without stopping for the entire six miles um at, it's training my body to get used to that level of discomfort so when you are actually in your marathon and you're running a slower pace it's not it's going to feel substantially easier uh and not as um i'm about to die type of uh uh type of holding feeling. on to that rope at the end <laughs> exactly exactly so um uh i'm not going to sugarcoat it and say that it was all great there were days when i questioned my sanity like what am i doing these these runs are so hard i can't i can't I can't believe I have to do another six tempo miles tomorrow and it's so hot and it's early and I'm doing it before work. And it's just, it was really, really hard. Um, Were you doing them on your own? I was doing them on my own. I usually That's challenging train, too to try to I, push yourself when you're by yourself. Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do most, I do most of my, um, my weekday, um, uh, running alone, except for, um, speed work i do i do do that on a track with other folks in my long run obviously i was doing with the group but uh the the fine tuning part of my of my training uh was done was done alone um but i i you know i i okay with that I, I'm, I'm kind of an introvert so running alone helps and there's a uh there's a catharsis there with uh with being able to 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 be alone with your thoughts and what your what your task is uh, in the pre-dawn hours before work yeah. when you're doing a really hard workout. Yeah. Now, just to interrupt real quick before we get to then the, the race that comes next, but how are you, because you're still directing FTM at this time, correct? Yes, I am. And how are you balancing your own training with your duties as a director of, of a training program? Yeah, so, um, Thankfully, I have a excellent group of um, of coaches that I can um, lean on as far as handling the uh, the needs of the participants in the training program. Um, I run with a group of of of, um, of people myself in, in FTM. They are people about my pace, uh, and the coaches there I trusted as. as uh, 
as well. And they took over uh, the leadership of that particular pace group and kind of allowed me to, uh, to focus on my own training while still running with the group. I, you know, sometimes in the middle of a long run, I would take off because I wanted to do something a little bit different. And they understood uh, my biggest challenge was making sure no one followed me because I didn't <laughs> want uh, I didn't want any first timers to think that they should be doing what I'm doing, right. um, and, and they didn't. Uh, you know, I think um, they they understood what my goal was and what I was working towards. So, yeah, I'm very very fortunate that I have a an excellent group of of pace group coaches that handle the lion's share of of um, of the of the coaching uh, of the, of the participants, and also I have a, a um, an excellent person that I work with, Kelly, who handled a lot of the heavy lifting as far as um, you know, the day to day stuff that's involved with directing the program. Right. Good. So let's get to then. So then, what comes next after? So you targeted, you looked for an early September race so you could get in the qualifying window. What did you end up choosing? Yeah, so I ended up choosing the Erie Marathon in Erie, Pennsylvania, um, which it was on the 8th of September, 2019, which is a uh, exactly a week before uh, the Boston registration for the Boston Marathon opened. So uh, knowing that it was going to be an earlier September marathon, uh, I had to adjust my training a little bit that differs from the FTM schedule because they target uh, the Marine Corps Marathon, which is six weeks or seven weeks okay. later. So um, I knew I had to uh, I had to kind of accelerate everything on on the FTM schedule to kind of cater towards what my goal is. And so I had to run a little bit longer, a little bit earlier than, uh, than the rest of the group did. But I did uh, I did uh, adjust that training for uh, for the Erie Marathon in September. Now, over the summer, uh, as as I got through April, I mean, I'm sorry, through uh, July and then August, I suddenly realized that my um, these hard workouts that I had been doing suddenly became a little less difficult. Um, I think a lot of the work that I had been doing was starting to show in my improved fitness. And some of those tempo runs, while they weren't pleasant, became less unpleasant. Uh, and my, as a result, my confidence started to grow because what used to be a really, really impossible workout tend to be just more uh, difficult than impossible. And I knew I could, I could actually do it. So it, it worked to the point where when I started my taper, I was feeling great. I was ready to, uh, I was ready to race the first day of my taper. Mm -hmm. Now I knew you can't do that. There's a reason why the taper is 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 there. And I said to myself, "Listen, you've put in so much work for so long through the throughout the summer. Um, take this taper period seriously because it would be really." unfortunate if you were to do something stupid and um and overdo it during that taper period where you can't be peaking on on race day so i did take the taper period very very seriously but i was so ready to race that that those two weeks when uh when i was dialing back my mileage and, when um, you were um training for erie you mentioned earlier that 
one of the biggest thing you feel you did was adding in those tempo miles and increasing those medium long runs during the week. Um, did you change anything else like your nutrition or strength I, training? I, I, I did. I did. Actually, um, you know, just in talking with friends, um, the the physics behind it, if you weigh a little bit less, not to say that I was overweight, but if you carry a few less pounds on your frame, um, you're going to be a little bit faster. Now, provided you're not uh, starving yourself and nutrition, you're, you're being smart about your nutrition. You don't want to, to, to go on some kind of crazy diet where you're just losing weight to lose weight. Um, but I did adjust my diet somewhere. Uh, I was eating lean. Um, I was cutting out junk food. Now, not, not totally, but I, you know, I would still treat myself to, to a, a snack every now and then, but I was very, very focused on uh, making sure I was getting lean protein, um, uh, uh, high quality carbs, uh, staying away from refined sugars. Um, and naturally my, my weight did drop. I lost about 10 pounds over the summer. Um, but I felt incredibly strong. I felt stronger than I had ever felt. Um, uh, since I became a, uh, a marathoner. Um, and, uh, I, I think I weighed as, I don't think I had weighed that little, um, tw in 20 years. So not only was I lighter, but I, I was stronger than I had, um, that I had ever felt, um, since I started so were, running. Were you doing some strength training as well then? <sighs> Uh, you know, I want to lie and say yes, but I, 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 I was not, I was, I was not, um, uh, you know, that's, you know, uh, like I said, it's, it's something I can improve on. Uh, oh no, maybe... this isn't meant as a criticism at all. It's just, um, you know, trying to just sort of piece together what you did. No, I, 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 I get it. Yeah. I say that kind of, I say that kind of in jest, but yeah. I do think that uh, strength training is important. I just was so tired and yeah. I, just, I just didn't want to uh i just i just didn't have it in me to to try and um and and work on, on i think on that's a challenge training. we all face though so many of us especially marathon training it's how do you fit it all in the sleep and the rest and the and the running and your family and work and everything so strength right, training is right. usually you're not you're not alone strength training is usually the first thing to go off that off that yes. list but yes yeah. so i i uh i I would love to have just dedicated time to do all of this stuff. I just, like you said, strength training kind of was the thing that I had, I, I, I just cut out. Now, had I been experiencing some kind of injury or, or pain, I would have probably reevaluated re and uh, thought, why, why am I feeling this? Is it because I'm weak in some particular area of my body so you didn't have then, any injuries you didn't have i didn't any issues. I, no no nothing was um nothing out of the ordinary you yep. always have some pain when you're training for a marathon but nothing that i felt was uh, cause for concern or an alarm where there was some kind of imbalance going on where i needed to focus on that so uh in the absence of any alarm uh i i kind of just didn't do didn't focus on on any any strength um and and I just want to say before we move on with your comments about weight, I feel like I just need to say this. You're, we're not saying, like when, when people drop weight while they're marathon training, um, it's not necessarily the right weight. So 
with your case, Conroy, you had in place a plan where you cut out junk food and that led to weight loss because maybe your body, your set weight might have been supposed to, might have supposed to have been 10 pounds lighter without junk food. But I feel like I just want to say this. I, I don't want anyone to listen to this and say, oh, maybe if I dropped 10 pounds, I'd be faster because that's not, that's not true because the 10 pounds that someone else could lose, they could already be eating really well. And as a result, they're losing that much needed muscle no. that we have to have to protect our bones. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. I, and and I, what my intent about the weight loss wasn't that, uh, wasn't to say that you need to lose weight in order to run faster. I looked at my body mm-hmm. and I looked at the composition of my body and I looked at, um, uh, I, I did my, my uh, calculated my body fat percentage and I thought, okay, what is my ideal racing weight? Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually read a book by Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, we're having on the podcast next week. Ah, okay, good. There's a there's <laughs> nice, nice, prom, nice, nice promo, and yes. uh, I actually read his his book racing about weight. ideal racing racing weight, mm-hmm. and he has all sorts of science behind it and the charts. And I looked at it and I said, okay, well, I'm not overweight. I'm definitely not overweight, but the uh, the composition of my body, and if I were to lose a little bit of fat, where where would my body weight be, and what is the ideal point where uh you know where i think my i would be the most efficient running machine given uh given my age and and, and my body frame um so it just so happened that i lost 10 pounds now you know that that number is kind of arbitrary it's not something that everybody needs to do but it worked out for me where i uh lost some fat uh Maybe I would say I probably even gained some muscle. Uh, I know definitely know I had uh, friends come uh, remark that you know there there was more definition in my arms and my fifty uh, year old gut didn't quite look so <laughs> like or whatever. <laughs> whatever. But um, but I think it was a natural progression of uh, the, my my change in diet, the intensity of my training, and paying more attention to what it is that that I'm putting in my body that 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 allowed me to get to where right. I Right. So that that book, the book was instru- instrumental in me figuring out, you know, what I wanted to. So where a I smart, to it was a smart approach. It was a well thought out uh, approach, and and balancing all of the all of the challenges because, like you said, and like Julie pointed out, you know, somebody else could drop ten pounds and then be more prone to injury or fatigue, or but you figured out what you you took a very close look at it, which I think is kind of the key. Yes, and it wasn't. Uh, I didn't cut, go into this thinking I had a. Number going of for a diet. You weren't going on a diet. Right. No, no. In fact, I, you know, I tell a lot of a lot of the runners in FTM, look, don't worry about losing weight in in in, in when you're training for a marathon. It's 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 very very different. Be, be careful about what it is that you put in your body, and then the weight thing kind of takes care of itself. That's exactly. Right. Good point. So, okay. So, sorry about that pivot. I just wanted to clarify. No, that. good. I'm glad you did. So you um, are in taper, and you head to Erie, and what happened? So very nervous, uh, but in a good way. I had that, um, uh, a, g- a good friend of mine, Andy Steinfeld said, during the taper period, you should feel like a caged animal. You should feel like, <laughs> you, what, you can't wait to get out of the cage and start running. And that's exactly what I, I felt. You mean right now? 
in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> True. Kind of right now, even though I don't think I can go out there and run a marathon. No. I do feel like a caged animal. It's probably because I want to get out there and do something uh, that I haven't been able to do. But during the taper period, I did have that caged animal mentality where I wanted to get out onto the course. and I could not wait to, um, uh, to, to, to get that marathon started because I, was, I felt that ready. I felt as strong as I've ever felt. Uh, and if there were ever going to be a time when, when all, that, all the pieces lined up, it was going to be on that race day. So I, um, I, I, I was unbelievably excited to start that race. And how did it go? So tell, well, can I take us through okay. that race? And especially toward the end, because it seems like the theme has been that, you know, mile 20, 22, your sure. wheels start to fall off and you're holding on to the rope. And how did that, did that change? How did this, you know, what, what, what happened? Yeah, so I, I knew um, my goal actually that uh, going into that race was to run um, about seven, about 740 um, uh, miles. So uh, it works out to about 322, I think was my, was my, was my goal for that race. Um, so I knew, look, don't go out any faster than that. You really, uh, those running those early miles too fast is just going to set you back later in the race. So I was adamant about maintaining that 740 pace. Um, so I started out and I ran, I started, started the race. Um, and I quickly settled into a 737 pace. I know that sounds so specific and you think, well, what's the difference? Um, they really, to me, I've done, enough marathons where I know my body and I know how hard I'm pushing myself. And even though I was three seconds per mile faster than my goal pace, I, I, I felt like I was really, really holding back. So those three seconds didn't, um, didn't uh, alarm me too, too much. And uh, I was able to hold those 737s for 18, 18 miles. Um, uh, by mile 18, I you know, you do kind of a, a self-check and you think, how, how am I feeling? Am I, am I tired? How, how, how do I need to make any, any mid-race adjustments here? Um, and I'll be honest with you, at mile 18, I felt awesome. I felt as strong as I've ever felt. I, I really felt like I had only run about a 10K at that point. So um, I thought, if I stick to my plan, I should be able to um, run the last few miles at a, you know, kind of pick it up and run those last few miles faster than my, than my goal pace. Now, the, the question that I, I was um, having, or the debate I was having in my own mind was, at what point do you kind of, you know, lower yeah. the hammer and, 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 and empty the, empty the tank? Um, now, having, tried and been unsuccessful so many times it was very very um i i treaded lightly there because i didn't want to go out go uh, make that um uh start my final push too soon and run out of gas and have everything everything blow up for me at the end so uh i started the race thinking that i would get to if i could hold on to that 737 pace for 22 miles I could probably run the last four miles um, and, and, and finish it hopefully faster than that. Um, but 
as after I crossed mile 18, I thought, wow, that's, that's still over four miles. Can, can, I, can I do that? What if I could only do three miles and I have to walk that last mile? Right. That's, that's really, I'll lose everything. So I said, okay, 22, that was my original plan. I'm taking that off the table. <laughs> then I thought, well, how about 23? And I said, wow, that's 5K. I want some 5Ks in my mind, and uh, I don't know if I could actually, that seems like a long way. So again, just being conservative, I, I said, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do 23 either. So I said, 24, can I do that? Two miles, 2.2 miles. I said, I think, I think I can. I think I can do anything for two miles. So I, I mentally prepared myself to, uh, to begin my final push at, at mile 24. Um, well, when mile 23 came around, I was still feeling great, and I just couldn't wait any longer. So about mile 23 and a half, I decided, look, uh, kind of very carefully increase your pace or, or uh, increase the pace a little bit, uh, pick it up. And uh, and see uh, how you feel when you actually hit mile 24. So I think when I actually finished the 24th mile, I think my my split was 7:26. I think, uh, and I thought, okay, uh, two miles, let's go for it. So I decided to downshift and 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 go for it. So uh, that those last two miles were perhaps the best two miles of my marathon life because I started passing people and um, I, I felt bad because I was passing so many people and I had been those people on the side of the road, stretching, complaining, crying, massaging your calves. Um, and I just, I felt for them because I had been them so many times before. Um, but you know, I was feeling great, so I said, "You know what, Conroy, just go for it." And uh, I, I hit mile twenty-five, and I looked down at my watch, and it said six fifty-eight. <laughs> so, so I said, um, "Wow!" I couldn't believe that I had actually uh, bust out a sub-seven mile on mile twenty-five, and I said, "I feel awesome. I think I can go even faster." So I decided I was going to downshift again. And then just and then just go for it. So I again picked it up a little bit more, and I started passing more and more people. And then I saw in front of me, about a hundred yards um, ahead of me, was the three twenty pacer. And I thought, I think I can catch him. I, I actually think I can catch him. And uh, by then, I kind of knew that even if I walked a little bit, I would was going to get my BQ. But I knew. I could catch that 320 pacer and that was the extra motivation that I needed just to finish out this race. So I picked it up even a little bit more and then eventually caught the, um, the, the 320 pacer past him. And he kind of yelled to me as he saw this blur go by and said, Hey, you know, great job, go for it. Um, and when I actually hit mile 26, I looked down at my watch and it said, uh, 627. Wow. So, <laughs> Your so fastest mile. My That's fast, so cool. my fastest mile, and and executed. Uh, exactly. So then, um, I had kind of forgotten that there's a hairpin turn uh, at the after mile 26 uh, of the race. So I, you know, you, you to, to run a hairpin turn, you have to slow down a little bit. But I was definitely running as fast as I possibly could that last mile. Um, 
and after the after uh, after that 6:28, I just sprinted to the finish, uh, and I noticed the race clock um, as I crossed the cross the final mat, and it said 3:18:57. Um, and I thought, wow, you know, I, I totally did this. And I looked down on my watch. Of course, we stop our watch after we, uh, after we crossed the finish line and it said three eighteen twenty three, And, uh, I really had, I was numb because I, I knew that this was the best race that I have ever run. And it was the, in my mind, the, 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 the perfect race. Um, now I, 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 I realized when I crossed, when I passed that 320 pacer, um, that was going to allow me to register for Boston uh, the first week um, mm-hmm. because it w- I would have uh, BQ'd by greater than five minutes. So uh, I had a really good feeling that I was going to um, to actually be accepted into the race uh, for 2020. Now, you know, you never know what's going to happen, and I still worried. I never you know, said to myself, oh, you're in. All my other friends were telling me, oh, you know, you don't have anything to worry about. But I said, I won't, I won't rest until I actually receive confirmation from the BAA that they've accepted my application. So um, I crossed the finish line. Uh, My my, uh, official time was 318.21. So I had, uh, I had PR'd by um, just under seven minutes. and I had BQ'd by a little over a little over six and a half uh, six and a half minutes. So um, uh, yeah, so I I I was in, in disbelief. I saw my wife uh, who was uh, waiting for me at the finish, um, and I started to cry. Uh, and she didn't really know what my time was at that point, and she saw me kind of crying, and she thought. Oh boy! Uh, <laughs> what happened? Again. You know, he missed, he missed it, again. it again. How how am I going to console him? How am I going to get him to, <laughs> uh, uh, to 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 get past this and move on and continue trying? And then she asked me my time, and then she started crying too because when I told her what my time was, she said, "Oh my gosh! You know, you you actually did it." And I said, "Yeah, you know, I'm, I I I did. I did. I um uh." after all of this time and they, ironically it was my uh the, uh Erie was my 30th marathon uh and i said after 30 attempts now i didn't um 30, try that's BQ. Your 30th marathon it, it was my 30th marathon 30th. now now in, in all fairness <laughs> in all well, fairness in, in all fairness so i didn't i didn't try to boston qualify in all 30 right. of those attempts yeah. but still it was my 30th marathon and it was um my fastest marathon and uh it was um uh, you know, uh, the, the highlight of my, of my running, uh, of my running life. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, the, the, the drive home, we had to rush to check out of our hotel, uh, hopped in the car and started driving home. I could hear my phone blowing up with people texting me and, and they had, in fact, someone had texted me my finish time before I even knew what my finish time was. Um, you have a lot of runners that you coach that were at home that were watching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I I came home and uh, 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 well, actually on the way I I uh, on the way home I stopped to get gas and I kind of read through some messages on my phone and everyone was just um, 
really, really super excited for me. And uh, when I got home, um, a friend had actually put some uh, yellow and blue balloons and tied them to uh, to our to our front door uh, and said, "Hey, congratulations on your on your BQ. You're you're a unicorn now." Um, That's great. And uh, yeah, it was great. I mean, just uh, 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 knowing that so many people back home were were cheering for me, uh, it really uh, that really it meant more to me actually knowing that than 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 BQing itself. Uh, just to have that level of um, of, of love and support from people back home um, reminded me that uh, that you know doesn't matter that I be cute. The, uh, the the love that I felt from everybody back home was was it was unbelievable, and it was more any better than anything I could have imagined. Well, I think it's important too to, to just to note real quickly that you ran that race so evenly and you were very patient in that race. And even though you felt that those 737s felt easy and you felt great, you you really held on to that until the last possible minute where you felt like you could push. And I think that's a really important in, in all the races that we've done ourselves. And when we coach, uh, you know, it's such a, we always emphasize to people how important it is, no matter how good you feel in the first 17, 18, 20 miles, you really, patience is the name of the game. And I think that's really um, something important to point out that you had the best, your last mile was your best and you still you surpassed your goal, but you were very patient about it. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it doesn't matter how you feel during those first that 20 miles. It's, it's really okay. that, that last 10K is, 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 is going to make or break your race. So, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I was very, very pleased with how I um, – how I ran that race. Uh, I, I think I, I had a plan and I really executed it to perfection. And I think that's probably, um, it, it wasn't even, it, it, it's, it wasn't even just execution on that day. It was everything that I had done from the beginning of the year until that, even, even my, uh, my unsuccessful attempt in April, that was all part of it. Um, and it was, I, I, there's no step that I could have skipped to get to where I was in September when I, when I kind of took back um, and, and looked at the whole year. Uh, every step was important. Uh, the, 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 the failed attempt in April was just as important as a successful one in September. Um, and that whole thing as, as a whole was just perfectly executed every step of the way. I, I may not have known it in April that that, that, that failure was, was key, but it was truly key because um, it wasn't, it wasn't meant to be in April. It was more meant to be in September. So. Well, we love that. And we love that you drew that analogy because that's exactly why we wanted to have you on today. We want everybody to hear that success is not always how we picture it. Success can mean a lot of things and your failures contributed to your success. And I wouldn't call that April marathon a failure at all, by the way, you ran a stellar marathon in the heat, but for purposes of this example, we'll call it a failure mm -hmm. and it contributed to your overall success. And that success we believe was much sweeter, not only because of what you mentioned, the people who surrounded you and supported you and lifted you up to achieve that success, but also because you recognized those building blocks and did not allow it to discourage you, but you allowed it to lift you up all summer to achieve your goal. And we wanna congratulate you. And while certainly we wish that you were able to run Boston, we know that you will run Boston 2020, whenever that may be. And we can't wait to be able to experience your first Boston with you 
when the time is right for us to cross the start line with you. So Conroy, thank you so much for telling your story. We know that it will motivate so many of our listeners to realize that you can set high goals and achieve them with patience, persistence, and a little bit of luck, but a lot more patience and persistence. And uh, we appreciate you coming on today and telling your story. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to tell my story. All right. Well, take care, Conroy, and we hope to see you in person soon. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye-bye now.